You're listening to the voice of Dog. This is Rob McWolf, your fellow traveler, and today's story is Exile from the Land of Giant Turtles by Gar Sahoni Atkins, who is an indigenous and queer game designer and writer. You can find this story in the anthology collection In the Light of the Dawn, an anthology of antiquity, and you can also find his games on his itch.io, Bramble Wolf Games. This is a magical realism retelling of an important part of Chalagi oral history, and is regarded as part of our origins as a people. The original story is a very straightforward historical story with no grand or fantastical elements. And while it may make for a dry read as a transcription, when you hear it in Tsaragi from a language speaker, there is a level of emotion and unspoken context that can be felt in the bones. My hope uh, in adding the narrative beats I did, the big fantastical elements, the personal perspective, is an attempt to capture the impressions of some of uh, these, like you would an abstract painting. This is a story that's meant to be read out loud, tasting the syllables and emotions that they carry. They are the bold colors and brushstrokes of the story, as it asks you to consider the perspectives of the real people that made that journey. I just hope I capture just some of what this story means. Exile from the Land of Giant Turtles by Gar Sahoni Atkins I tell the story as it was told to me. A sudden frigid jolt rattled through the bones of the sailor, snapping out of his passive dream and crashing him back into the reality with the wake beneath him. The sailor hurt. Bruises bloomed into his skin like unwanted flowers as salt ground into the bends of his body, pale mockeries of the sweet land he left behind. The sailor came from a land of giant turtles, and in the future, that's what he would use it as its name to others. Part of his body would always know the island, the ache in his muscle from pulling fishnets, the longing for the taste of the tart sweet fruit he worked the land for as a child. The way his ears picked out the songs of familiar birds and let him know his home was near. The memory of it, uh, its burning sun on his skin and the relief that he felt as he dove into its waters where the giant turtles play. The sailor wondered if the land of great and giant turtles would ever be the same. He yearned to know if the land would remember him in turn. Some bitter, irrational part of him wondered if he did something to spoil the relationship he and the land had. It was all he knew, and he uh, all he knew now was that he could never return. Not to the land of his birth, the place of his father and generations of his ancestors' fathers before him. This was a bond so personal, and it had been pulled away with him, with all the time and effort of a shaky breath. This wasn't even the right canoe for a journey like this, under the best of circumstances. A single whole vessel with a float to steady and hardly enough room for the people it held. This was never meant to leave the relative peace of the cove, let alone drift into the dangers of the open ocean. 
this hadn't been a journey the sailor had planned on making. The sailor remembered when the canoe was made. His lover had made it from the trees between their house. An unsure gift between them and offered hand. He could practically taste the smoke on his tongue from when they hollowed the insides, though he could name other more likely reasons for that sensation other than a sweet memory. It was something that they made together between jokes and boasting, quiet bets and teasing each other over the small things he wished he could hold in his hands once more. He remember pulling splinters out of his lover's hands the next day as they argued over a name, y'all too warm body that felt too uncomfortable in the summer months, how it felt when they fell asleep in the canoe together. He wished he could feel it against him more than anything, to brace him against the storm, to feel him keep the sailor warm and add his strength to his own. He knew all too well the canoe was far too fragile for its cargo. He lost track of the number of times he had to repair the float after a storm. So he held fast. He wished he had cared more about the repairs when he had had the time. He hoped the rope binding would hold. This canoe held all his home that was left, huddled and clinging just as tight to what they could. Family, friends, and whoever could make it in time. Mothers comforted their children. Stern elders stared onward at, with wounded memories deeper than the sailor's own, trying to keep watch on the other ships as they were flicked among the green foam-tipped waves. He had no way of telling if the red painted hulls of the boats uh, he saw were the same vessels or someone new. His body burned and struggled against him as he kept pushing forward through another wave that threatened to capsize them all, to chase those glimpses of scarlet. He had to focus on keeping them upright and forward. He had to keep them together. They would die if he didn't, and that was an immutable truth. Some part of him wondered if his lover was on one of those ships. It's impossible to tell. The silhouettes he could make out didn't give away much, just that other fishers who had the same idea as him and gathered as many folks as they could before pushing uh, out into the danger and unknown. It had been so fast, so loud when it happened. In a breath, the island had shook underneath him. It had sunk and slipped, changing underneath the fissure as it split. Water from the ocean rushed in to fill the gaps and reclaim what had slipped from its secret grasp. But an earthquake wasn't an unknown experience. An earthquake wasn't new. The sailor had lived through his share of tremors and major disasters. He remembered the first time he had been woken up by an earthquake. He remembered how his mother comforted him and told him that it was just the giant turtle on the island deciding to move. He remembered being taken up on the old trails and hiding out high on the mountains as hurricanes drove through their homes at the peak of every summer, as if to mark the shift of seasons. Those were the sort of things you could rebuild from, as long as you had people at your side. 
remember clearly clawing through the black dirt to help his aunts recover what precious things could be salvaged from under the mud of a landslide. He supposed he was leaving those memories behind as well. What had been different was what came after the turtle shifted. The mountain spit smoke and ash and soot that stuck to everything, like the remnants of the ashes from the sacred fire. But there was no good luck to be found there, just aching, scalding burns. Stung his eyes and made it hard to see beyond a hazy double vision. A hateful cloud that wrapped its fingers around his throat and tried to strangle the life out of him. It had weighed him down and made it heavy to move, sitting in his lungs until he put the water between them. He remembers seeing those collapse on the beach, those who didn't move quick enough, cautiously enough were those that were too unlucky or refused to move without making sure others were safe had collapse. Dead or as good as dead in the moments to come. Sailor wished he could have done more, saved more, but a second later and he would have been another body on the beach. Something dropped out from under his stomach as he came to the realization of what leaving that all behind meant. When all this had started, there had been five trade boats out, larger canoes made for the ocean, that had all been out when the disaster had struck. Uh, they would have been out in the deep water when they were affected. Would they be okay? Would they have been safe or able to hide out from the worst of the disaster? What would they think when they saw what happened to their home? Would they be able to find home? The stars they shared to navigate were blacked out by the cloak cast by the mountain's clouds. Seven vaults height and stretching as far as he could imagine. All he could do was follow the others and hope for the north they knew to be there. Seven canoes. That was all that were left. That's all there was left of the land of giant turtles, all the proof that their home had existed and had been destroyed by something they couldn't stop was them and what they had been allowed to carry. The words on their lips, the clothes on their backs, and the memories they left behind. Something happened on that trip. No matter what their relationship had been before, those had died and been washed away in those waves, something new formed in their place, calcinating friends, families, old rivals, and enemies into something more unified. Maybe just because that's what they needed in the moment. Unspoken telepathic promise of shared responsibilities for a simple recognition of familiarity and the comfort found within that. Why wasn't it as important as what it meant? The seven had landed someplace north, and with a little more direction than that. A marshland made of tall grass and slow waters that was calm enough for the fleet's bruised bodies and bones. The marshes and swamps were home to many strangers that regarded them as strangers in turn. To the west, they met crawfish between the reeds, fierce and bold. They showed them how to fashion darts and feed themselves. 
to the east, alligators with powerful jaws, slow to act but decisive in their choice. They gave them the quiet they needed, at least for a little bit, but they knew they couldn't stay. This was not their home, and they could still see the clouds that took their home from them on the distant horizon. So the sailor left that name behind and became the Traveler. The Traveler had pushed forward, leading the march through the stranger lands. They followed the old trade routes worn into the earth by the people that they never knew, trading what crafts they could make on the road in exchange for supplies and direction. The more they moved, the heavier the words on their tongues felt, bitter like a medicine intentionally turned poison. The traveler's feet felt raw, leaving behind footprints of salt and soot wherever he went, black marks and blood sinking into the land. But nowhere they rested, their head was home. Every night he would awaken to find those choking, jealous clouds just on the edge of camp, threatening to cross some unseen threshold. He could see it in their eyes, flickering with the embers that burnt down the forest he spent his childhood running through smelling like the flesh of family he left behind, whispering with the heated crack of his house collapsing in on itself. He could see it in the eyes of those he traveled with, and somehow he knew they could see it just as clear in his, judging by the sadness that they would trade. They spoke of the traveler like he was already dead. They feasted on the bones of all they stole, while comparing him to mosquitoes and ticks. They claimed he still owed them, and that he should be thankful for the burns and rattling breath, that they were gifts and a mercy, something that made him better for knowing the curse they brought. The traveler found himself, despite everything, looking for the body of his lover. He didn't know what he expected to find among the grim mess, and he couldn't decide for himself what would be the worst outcome. Was it better to have a longing hope they were still out there, or grim resolution that he could mourn? The knowledge it gave him offered him no answers. But he knew if he let those clouds get closer, he'd join that pile of bones they dragged behind him. So he kept moving. He led his people through the golden grasslands, where leaves were as tall as trees and the wind raced through unfettered, cutting, singing, telling stories of things they have yet to see, where buffalo stood like silent guardians and weaved pretty things in the grass. But this was not home. He led them through hills and green, where spirits march nightly between the mounds and cicadas hawk their goods. But this was not their home. The clouds followed, always just on the edge of camp, feeling ready to snatch and take what they could. The traveler didn't know what the future looked like. He had felt like that had been one of those things the clouds had taken from him, too. So he focused on today and tomorrow. He knew he needed a place to rest. He ached as real as wounds on his body for the right to rest, in a place where his people could exist as themselves. Not too much to ask of the spirits around him, but it felt like an impossible goal from the aching feet on which he stood. The only thing he was allowed to think about was the next step. 
With a steady forward beat of his people's march, the traveler felt the crawling wound of the clouds he carried inside him reach around his heart, anxiety the blade of its knife. What future did they have? What sort of people would they be without the island they called home? Would they know the gentle side of the sea? How to catch fish? The satisfaction of the juice of the fresh fruit on their tongue? Without giant turtles? All of the little things that didn't seem to carry with it as much weight on their own made up home. It was these things that connected them to the land and let them know it loved them back. And if they survived without these things, would they know the same songs and why they sang them? Would they understand the stories they told? Someday, when his people no longer had use for the words for these things, would they understand him? The traveler wondered if he would be another thing lost. He wondered if it was just enough to make it to another day. The footprints of the traveler stained maroon with ash and blood as he felt another wave of grief roll over him. He mourned for the death of the future that could never be, for the whole inside of him of things that he could never replace. He never let it cross his face as he marched for fear of the clouds, but he ached for the things he didn't know and never could. Stomach lurched as he felt the weight and responsibility of the things he did know. Sometimes... The dream of those no longer with uh, them were heavy as the tent packs he carried on his battered back. He came to the top of a mountain and listened to it sing a song older than anything else. Red earth and yellow stone formed gentle slopes and sunken cliffs. Gentle cedar green as far as the eye could see. From his a place on high, he could see a great rattlesnake. He watched it slide free of its old skin in the valleys below, slow and careful. A white haint, battered and bruised, was left behind, while the snake's new scales shone like the rocks from the bottom of a river. It flexed in the sun, the same as always, if bigger. There had been a period of quiet, if not peace. In the cold north, they learned uh, how unprepared they had been for the land away from their homes. But they had found shelters with the five sisters. For a while, the clouds had not been able to find them. They could, for a while, rest. And feel that burning slag clogging up his throat with every breath. The footprints he brought didn't blacken the snow and moss. These people they met? and their infinite kindness introduced them to the lands they walked. They used new words to describe the relationship they had built, but the emotions were familiar. A mother that cared, the responsibility to your relations, that the care and work you put into these relationships would be returned. They were taught which plants carried good medicine, what the animals were saying, and how to survive the harsh cold uh, they could expect in the mountains. The traveler became the listener, and he had found the control he had thought he had lost beneath the waves that night long ago. Time had passed, and soon it had been years since the listeners exiled in the land of giant turtles. He had lost count of exactly how many, enough that he remembered emotions outside of grief. 
elders had passed, new life was born, and the burdens of the weight he carried grew as he learned of the hollowness he carried with him a little bit more intimately. But the listener knew this was not his home either. That ashen soot still clung to his body like a reminder. Eventually, the clouds had found them. And when they had found him again, the bodies he saw with them were more fresh, more familiar. Sometimes they wore the faces of those he held dear in an attempt to lead him out of the safety of his friends and family. They used their words and voices to call out from him in the dark, twisting the sounds in ways they were never meant to carry. When he became the traveler again, he was not unprepared. They carried with them the seeds for something more, both the ones that they carried with them and the ones that they were gifted by the five sisters. What they did with them was up to them. By nice end, he would either be... By nice end, he would be the traveler no more, one way or another. He was tired of being tired. He was tired of aching feet and no place to sit. His muscles burned with every stride as they slowly climbed those old mountains. And he took the next step back to where he heard those mountains sing, where he saw the snake shed its skin. As he came to the mountaintop, he could see the stars, the same ones his people had sailed under, the same ones some small part of him hoped somewhere out there they still were. These mountains would be their new home because they would make it so. They would be the ones who carried his ancestors and the generations of ancestors before him. Their songs, struggles, and joys would live on because he would make it so. They would not uh, conquer these mountains, but build new relations. They built and found new ways to care. They would make mistakes. They would learn. They would find new songs to sing and different berries to eat. And that they could fish in rivers. As long as they survived, they would still be, if a bit more than before. And they celebrated that. They lit a sacred fire. They made plans for what their future held for them. They danced and ate together. And as they did, the ash that had clung to their skins was shed like that of a great serpent. Ani Gilohi, Ani Sohoni, Ani Waya, Ani Goti Gewi, Ani Awi, Ani Tsiskwa, Ani Wodi. These were the names those seven canoes took, shedding the ash as they spreaded fur, hoof, and feather. They became the wolves, deer, and puma. They became the ravens, bears, and twirling winds themselves. They danced with bells and rattles on for those that were still with them. They sang for those that had moved on and passed. They told stories about people that could not be there with them in the hopes that that would still keep them alive. The new panther told stories about his old lover and listened to the others talk about uh, the others that they might still be out there under the same stars. The celebration was high, and even as the clouds gnashed and cursed and bit 
uh, from the edges of their shadows. The clouds could not reach them. As long as the seven clans of this nation in all their very forms could tell their stories about where they came from and how they got there. As long as they carried with them the lessons and relationships that mattered, the land of giant turtles would still be, uh, be with them in the oldest mountains. They would be themselves, if a little more. This was Exiles from the Land of Giant Turtles by Gar Sahoni Atkins, read by the author. You can find more stories on the web at thevoice.dog, or find the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to The Voice of Dog.